0: So we're on a series called and. Because one of the things that the gospel does and we just kind of prayed through it in the book of Colossians is that the gospel through the cross of Jesus Christ replaces a lot of our either ors with ands, right? Last week we spoke about how God uh, Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. And so often we think that we need to extend grace or truth. Grace either truth, right? We we split things. But Jesus comes and says and Today I want to look at another thing that we try and split And when we split it, we do so to our detriment. And that's this passage that we're going to look at in James chapter 2. David's going to be excited about James, right? It's your favorite book. It is, you're right. (laughs) Because we try to separate our faith from our actions. And when we treat faith and actions as an either or, everybody loses. We live in a world that is so divided, that has become so divisive, so political. And when that happens, everyone and everything loses. There are lots of reasons why we're so divided right now. Some of them are because of technology. I'm reading this book uh, at the moment called The Fall. It's about Google, Facebook, Apple, and Amazon, and how they're kind of dominating the world. And one of the things I'm learning is that Facebook, with all good intentions, developed this algorithm that when we like something, that when we say something, it picks up um, what we say, and it sends us things that it thinks we will like because of what we identify. So how that works is we click by liking something and so they send us more stuff and they send us more stuff and they send us more stuff until we like something so much that we can't stand the other stuff. You see that our algorithm works, right? Well, one of the things that technology does is it's putting either ors in the place of ands, but we can't really blame technology. Because the problem with this either or is not out there. It's first in here, right? That we want our way. We want things on our terms. We want to be right. Sometimes we need to be right. But one of the great things about this glorious gospel that we talk about is that often Jesus puts an and where we put an either or. So let me give you a little context for this scripture that we're going to read. It's written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. It was written after the apostle Paul talked so much about faith. Paul says, you are saved by faith alone in Christ. And he's absolutely right. James says, the works that you do are vital, pivotal to your salvation. If there are not works, good works in your life, then you are not saved. And so throughout the history of the church, people have tried to put an either or between Paul and James Do you think you're saved by faith? Or do you think you're saved by your works? Are you on this side of the fence? Or are you on that side of the fence? And as this debate has raised, we got a lot of people on the faith side of things who believe perfectly but do nothing. On the flip side... (laughs) There are lots of people who do some great things for all the wrong reasons. Because we say, are you on Paul's side? Are you on James's side? And we put an either or where God puts an and. And So as we read this passage, I want you to realize that what James is saying And what Paul has already said are not meant to be divisive. They're not talking about the either or that we have put there. They are actually lifting up an and. Paul says, you got to have faith to be saved. But if you really have the right kind of faith, it expresses itself in works. James says, you got to be working, but you can only work if you got the right kind of faith. We put an either-or with a gospel and where Jesus puts an end. Because in Jesus' ministry, right? He did two things. He called them to faith in God through himself, and he called them to good actions and good deeds. It's an and. Few years ago, my dad and his wife were in town, and we went to Tampa. We had a nice time there for a couple of days, and we were coming home, and it's getting late, and we're low on gas. We had a need. When you have a need like that, there's a place you go, right? We went to the gas station. Because when you have a need, you go to the place where you can get that need met, right? We pull up to the pump. there's a lot of people there. I'm in a hurry because I want to get home. I'm probably a little bit frustrated because I've been with people I love for longer than maybe I wanted. you know that <laughs> dynamic? And so I swipe my kite in the machine, I pull out the handle. looks like the right handle. The liquid coming out of it looks like the right kind of liquid, but I'm putting diesel in my car. I'm afraid that we do the same thing sometimes when we make faith and works either or, right? We know that we have a need, correct? We know that that need needs to be met. So some of us go to church to have that need met. Other people go to all kinds of other things to try and get that need met. But what fills us isn't the right kind of fuel that is going to get us where we need to go, right? And so what James is saying here, the problem that he's addressing is that, yeah, we have a need for faith. Yeah, we need to go to the place where we can get it. But just because you do those two things, it doesn't mean you're putting the right kind of fuel inside of you, right? And he says, here's how you know if you've got the right kind of fuel, the right kind of faith inside of you. Is that fuel, is that faith expressing itself in works? Right? We got a need. We go to the gas station, you put the wrong fuel in it, you're not going anywhere. There's no expression of that fuel. Does that make sense? And so James is saying, yeah, you got that need. Jesus can meet that. Yeah, you go to the place where you can can be filled. But if you put the right fuel of faith within you, then... You will go somewhere, and that going somewhere looks like doing good deeds, doing good works. So if you will, this passage that we're going to talk to is kind of like a litmus test. It's asking the question, do you have the right kind of faith? For years, we've kind of made this into an argument. Faith, all works. A lot of people say, hey, I'm just saved because I believe. A lot of people say, I'm saved because I do. But here, it's both. And the important thing about James' teaching is that he's offering us this litmus test to see whether we've got the right kind of gas, the right kind of fuel, the right kind of faith within us that's going to get us where we need to go. So let me ask, through the words of James, three questions to help us understand whether we've got the right kind of faith inside of us. James chapter 2, starting at verse 14. It says, what good is it Dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it in your actions. You know, when we read this, we think the what good is it question is a rhetorical one. (laughs) I think we could just put a question mark right after that. What good is it? If we've got fuel in our tank, that's not getting us anywhere. What good is it? Can that kind of faith save anyone? And by this is saying that this this picture of works isn't just a moral issue that I get to do if I want to do. This is a salvation issue. There's a lot at stake here because if there are no works in my life, then maybe I've got the wrong kind of faith that's not going to save me and it's going to stall my car, right? To suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So the first litmus test, I think that James offering, if we've got the faith and works kind of faith, is to ask the question, is my faith doing good? This little story he tells at the end, we do that all the time, right? Coming out of the Orlando City Stadium last night, it's about 11 o'clock. They put me in this little dark, dingy um, parking area in the middle of Paramore. And I'm walking back to my car and I'm approached by like two or three. Guys, you know, I'm doing the shuffle and just trying to, you know, head down, kind of get there. And I get in my car and I'm pulling out the parking lot. And this one guy stands right in front of my car and said, can you help me? And I'm like, Ugh, it's scary. And so I put down my window just a little bit. I said, sir, uh, good night. Have a great night. I got to go. God bless you. <laughs> it, it, it may have been the safe thing to do in that moment, but the reality is we do things like that in life, right? Rather than actually help people, we say things that we think might help people, but don't actually help people. This whole conversation about not needing thoughts and prayers anymore, but need action and change. I think I've told you my thoughts on this. It's not either or, it's and We need thoughts and prayers because we're going before the God of the universe, the one who controls and creates everything. How foolish if we stop praying. But at the same time, nowhere in Scripture have prayers not been about action. The first question to ask of our faith to make sure we got the right kind of fuel in our tank is Does my faith do good? Is it good for me? Does it make a difference in my life? Am I a different person because I follow Jesus? There's all kinds of scary stats that come out from time to time that compare the state of the church, those who have faith with those who aren't a part of it. And I believe that things have changed a little bit now, but there was a time a few years back when the divorce rate was exactly the same among the church as it was those outside. The pornography usage was exactly the same as those inside the church as those outside. James is saying, what kind of faith is that if it's not making a difference, if it's not doing something? Is your faith doing good. Is it doing good for you? Is it doing good for this world? Is it doing good before God? If not, I can think of much better things to do on a Sunday morning. Is your faith doing good? If it's doing good, you got the right kind of fuel. If it's, if it's not doing good, then we got to ask some questions. James goes on. Verse 17, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you faith by my good deeds. You know, I think the The second thing that we need to understand about having the right kind of faith is not just is it doing good, but is my faith visible? Are people seeing the effects of my faith in my life? Is my patience extending a little bit? Is my anger toning down a little bit? Is my love quotient increasing a little bit? Is my compassion stretching a little further, so that people can see it and they see that my faith is becoming visible? The words that's used twice in this passage is useless. Who wants a useless faith? And honestly, if our faith isn't visible, then it's useless. James is saying we kind of need to live in Missouri in this, right? We need to live in the the show-me state. And and that was great for the Jews because the Jews were show-me kind of people. I've got a good friend who is a rabbi. and We had coffee a a couple of months ago. I may have told you about him before. And we started to talk about some of the, the cultural challenges in our society and You know, I said, what's your belief on this? What do you think about this? What does Judaism say about this? And he kind of said, eh, you know, it's important, but we're not going to come down defensive. What's what I'm looking for? "Um, Definitely. I said, well, that's kind of wishy-washy, isn't it? I didn't say it like that, but that's what I was thinking. He said, no, 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 you, you don't understand. What's most important for Jews is not what we believe but how we behave. And I thought about that. And so often, the problem for Christians is that we spend so much time focusing on what we believe and we forget about how we behave, right? And so the second litmus test that, Paul, uh, that James is asking if we've got the right kind of faith is, is, is it visible? Are, are, are people Seeing it. I spent a lot of time a number of years ago reading and studying about different revivals throughout the ages. And one of my favorite stories that came out of that research came from the Welsh revival uh, about 120 years ago, the turn of the last century in Wales. And there was a huge prayer movement that happened that preceded this revival. And then hundreds and hundreds and thousands of thousands of people came to faith. That's why if you go to Wales now, you see all these huge churches that just have a few people in them. Because they need to build bigger churches to to contain this revival that just swept across that country. But one of my favorite stories is that a lot of the people who got saved, who came to know Christ through that revival, were coal miners. That was their job. They'd go deep into the coal mine, the coal. And they would get down there, and they would be pulled out, and the coal would be pulled out by donkeys. And so all these men came to know Christ through this revival, and they would go to Uh, work the next morning, and God had done such a work in their life that they had stopped cursing. And because they had stopped cursing, these animals that they motivated by cursing at them didn't know how to respond. Right? You get this coal miner who used to say, hey, get you a blankety-blank-blank, blankety-blank-blank, four legs down that mine shaft right now. And they came to know Christ, and their lives were changed, and part of that change means their language was cleaned up. Uh, Excuse me, Mr. Donkey, you can proceed now. And the donkeys are like, what? (laughs) Because faith was made visible, right? Is our faith visible? If not, man, I hope we're not putting diesel where gas needs to go, right? James goes on a third and final question after giving two illustrations, he said, Let me tell you about Abraham. You remember Abraham? Man, you guys, Lord Abraham is a great father of your faith, but you know what made Abraham righteous? It was his works. It, it was that um, his faith expressed itself in works, and people saw the works, and that's why they called him righteous. They give this example of this very famous king, this this patriarch. But then then he goes on to something very clever. He doesn't just point to Abraham. He says, "Do you remember Rahab? Now, Rahab was a prostitute. You know, she was um, as dirty as it comes. She was as cheap as she comes. No one liked her, yet in the crunch moment when she needed to protect some of God's spies, some of God's messengers, she came forward and did it. And the point James is making is it doesn't matter if you are the patriarch of a nation or whether you are a prostitute, your works really matter. Your actions need to be seen because it's those actions that make a difference. There's no either or between James and Paul. There's no either or between faith and works. What James is saying is we got to make sure we're putting the right kind of faith in our life, and that faith always, 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 always expresses itself in good deeds. And so, is your faith doing good? Is your faith making things visible? And then there's this final verse, this final question. He says this in verse 26. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. And I think the third question that he's asking, the third question that we need to ask of our faith is, is my life breathing life into the places I go? He uses this picture of how the body just doesn't work without breath and we all get that, right? Some of his audience would have had a different understanding of that because they believed that the soul could live separate from the body for a little bit, but that's not Christian thought. Of course we can't live without breath. That's that's how we define whether someone is dead or not. Are they breathing? If they're breathing, they're they're still alive. There's all kinds of medical discussions around that, right? What if someone's brain dead? Well, we say if they're still breathing, they're, they're still alive. Just as the body is dead without breath, so faith is dead without good works. And I think he uses that metaphor specifically because he's painting a picture that our good works, our faith, is supposed to bring life to things. He uses the word in his passage, dead, a lot. Did you notice that? Faith without works is dead. The body without breath is dead. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ wants nothing to do with death. Death is the enemy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Right? Because those who are in Christ are all about life. And not just any life, but a life that Jesus gives in its fullness. What he's saying, what the litmus test of our faith is, is, is our faith bringing life? Do we walk into a room and people feel a little brighter? Do we sit with people who are hurting and they feel a little bit more cared for? Are we with people who want to give up, and they find in us a little bit more hope? That's what he's talking about. Are we people who breathe life into situations? Do we have that kind of faith that everywhere we go is breathing life? The gospel stands opposed to death. Jesus came, this is what's so glorious about the cross, to defeat death. He said, death is no more. I don't want anything to do with death. I don't want you to have anything to do with death. We're people of life. And if we have that same faith of Jesus in Jesus in us, then we need to be about bringing life as well, right? It's not faith or works. Because a faith that's not expressing itself in works is not the right kind of faith. It's not about doing all we can to try and prove something or earn something before God, because that's futile. We can never do enough. It's about faith and works. It's about the kind of faith that takes us to good places to do good things. If you put diesel where, where, where gas needs to go, you ain't going anywhere. And so... James and Paul, because of Jesus, are inviting us to have this faith that not only changes our world, but changes the world. You know where we see this kind of faith that has works expressed the best? It's not in saints like Mother Teresa, you know, bless her who did incredible things. It's not in evangelists like Billy Graham who did amazing things to influence our culture and our world and help fill heaven. It's in Jesus who came from the Father full of grace and truth. For whom the fullness of God dwelled. And he says, I got this kind of right faith in me. And that faith has to express itself in good works. And you know what good works looked like for Jesus? It wasn't the miracles. It was, but it wasn't the whole thing, it wasn't the healings, it was the cross. The work of the cross. was the greatest act of faith and works together. And so we'll wrap up. My voice is sore and my eyes are a little droopy. (laughs) But this is what I want to challenge you with today. When you look at your life, and especially you look at the things you do with your life, you got to ask yourself the question, do I have the right kind of faith in me? The kind of faith that is built on what Jesus said and what Jesus did and how, how Jesus loves us so much. Do I have a faith that is built on my inadequacy because I know that I've sinned? Do I have a faith that is built on grace and truth Because I so desperately need both in my life. It's not either or. It's and. James isn't picking a fight with Paul. He's inviting us to evaluate our faith. Is it good? Is it visible? Is it breathing life?